This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 107. In tonight's show, we run down the EdTech news of the week and break down the role of EdTech in making education accessible. And in the lowdown segment, we're going to share a resource that will be a huge help if you're developing or improving a course. But before we get into the show tonight, no Christy, and I also wanted to talk for a little bit just about where we've been. It's been almost two months since our last show, which is really disheartening. And to be frank, there's a lot of things that have been going on, including a bit of a health scare on my end. And while everything is okay, it was a wake-up call for me. And, um, you know, sometimes genetics can outweigh healthy eating and living. So my only advice to anyone without getting into real specifics is... Don't take any family medical history lightly. Make sure that you're doing everything you can to detect those things early on. Um, It's something that's really important, especially when it comes to cardiovascular, stroke, heart, uh, cancer type things. It's not something that we want to talk about, and it's not something that we want to deal with, really, but it's important to do. So happy that everything's okay, um, but again, I did have to deal with some of that. There's a bunch of other things going on, too, as I'm sure with all of you as well. But Let's go ahead and get in to the EdTech News Rundown. And our first story comes from EdTech Magazine, and it explains that the U.S. government is tapping into the nation's colleges for cybersecurity. There's no denying that cybersecurity is one of the more important issues that we are and will be facing. There's also no disputing that we are already short on qualified people for cybersecurity jobs, and it's only going to get worse, projected to be over 3 million vacant positions by 2021. That's only two years away. That can't be good for cybersecurity. So the government is offering grants and or partnerships with higher ed, and I'm hoping that these programs work as a shortage of this magnitude in this field is pretty terrifying. All right, our next story is also from EdTech Magazine and explains how privacy is becoming a top concern for higher ed IT departments. Institutions are rapidly increasing their collection and usage of data for more personalized services, so the need for increased discussions and awareness of data privacy is paramount. An important distinction to make in this conversation is the difference between autonomy, privacy, which is a student's rights to explore online without unnecessary oversight, and information privacy, which is their ability to have a say in how their personal data is collected and used. And that discussion, I hope it's happening. It sure should be happening in schools and universities around the nation. And we have to be addressing this in a very intelligent and efficient manner. All right, well, let's get into a bit of a lighter story now from eSchool News. And it asks, what are your ed tech resolutions? This is from a little earlier in the year, but I stuck with it because the author, Ellen Ullman, has some things that she wanted to share. And they include supporting high-quality learning, which is always a good resolution any time of year, celebrating progress, which is an important process for all of us to do, but especially for our students, and expanding professional development to keep learning. And I'm definitely not a big fan of resolutions, especially uh, as we get into March of the year, as this podcast has been delayed quite a bit. But I do think several of hers are worth trying um, and and looking into and keeping in mind as much as possible. And again, as with all of the stories that we do on the show, check out edtechweeklyshow.com for links to explore further. Our final story is from Forbes, and it explains ways edtech entrepreneurs can make college more accessible. Some argue that education is as fundamental a right as humans have, and there's no argument that education opens doors. So how can edtech companies make education more accessible so that most people, the most people possible, can attend college? They suggest increased access to higher ed, even while still in K-12, 
corporate network circles and subsidize affordable textbooks and study materials. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to break down today. And since it's only me, I'll try to play both sides of this. But let's get down to it. The concept is simple. Higher ed should be available to all, regardless of race, gender, immigrant status, family, income, or physical abilities. The reality, however, is not so simple. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the suggestions from Forbes articles, starting with increased accessibility to higher ed before college. And one of the ways that ed tech companies can make this happen is by offering free trainings for their platforms that are commonly used in college and the workplace. And you got to ask yourself, why isn't this more of a thing? Because it really should be. The more free trainings a company could offer, uh, the more likely people would gravitate toward that program or service when they, get, when they either go to college or when they get into the workplace. So it seems like this would be something that K-12 schools should talk about when negotiating for more robust professional development. Uh, professional development, excuse me. It may be an upfront cost to them, but it should pay its dividends in the long run as it gets more people using their product and service. Now, if their product is as good as advertised, and we know that they're always advertised as being very good, that would be a positive thing for everyone. Let's jump into that second suggestion, which I think piggybacks off this one kind of nicely, creating corporate network support circles. Now, essentially, that's saying that corporations and universities should partner up to allow a more diverse group of students to be introduced to companies. Now, this is interesting to me because just the nature of companies a lot of times is not going to be very diverse. So I would think this would have to really have somebody who's dedicated to trying to be diverse here and not just stick with the same type of people that they use. But as we've talked about before in other articles here on EdTech Weekly, it's proven that successful companies are diverse companies. Different ideas, different schools of thoughts, gender, race, all sorts of religions, all these people come together and can create some pretty cool things. So it's a, it's a neat thing for them to get into. And, and the last one that they mentioned is affordable textbooks. And this is sort of a rant for me. I'm actually pretty frustrated about this affordable textbook initiatives that what we have going on right now, because from what I see, and again, this is just my opinion, but it sure seems like we're just creating middlemen. They basically offer a discount on textbooks from publishers, but clearly those guys are still making a profit from whatever the textbook company is giving them or what kind of kickbacks they're giving them. So, man, can't we just get these textbook companies to give the students the same cost as what the middleman is doing and just cut out the middleman? We don't need to, to create new jobs and new industries, essentially, because we want students to have cheaper textbooks. And I'm sure there's people that can talk a lot more intelligently about this than I can. However, I've been in meetings at my university about textbook affordability, and from my perspective, it sure seems like we're just creating a new group of people to make money off of students rather than just giving them the best deal that we can. And I think that's what we should be doing. So let's let's get this together. All right, well, if you want to follow the show on social media, at EdTechWeeklyShow with no W, at EdTechWeeklyShow, that's on Facebook, that's Twitter, and that's on Instagram. So go ahead and follow it that way. If you want to follow me, that's at 4TechTeacher, and 4TechTeachers, the number 4TechTeachers. And uh, Christy M. Warren, at Christy M. Warren. She'll be back next week. She was supposed to be back this week, but I had some tef- technical difficulties. So, uh, yeah, that stuff happens. And uh, we're just happy to be back, honestly. it's just hap- I'm just happy to be recording. I can't wait to talk to Christy next week. It's been a long time since I've heard her voice. So let's get now to our final segment, which is the lowdown. And remember, this is where we try to give some relevant and useful information to you. And this is going to be a short and sweet one since I'm on my own tonight. But we're going to share a really cool resource. It's from UC San Diego. 
It is www.coursemapguide.com. And it's an amazing resource if you're building a course or evaluating your current course. You can explore learning outcomes, mapping your course, and other instructional design methodologies that can make a huge impact on your teaching methods and your students' learnings. So definitely check that resource out. Again, edtechleadershow.com. And um, listen, I'm just happy to be back, um, and I'm excited to have Christy back next week. Sorry that we've been out so long. Um, I know that as teachers, you can forgive me for getting caught up with some other things in life and other things in work, and I'm just happy to be back. So uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate all the emails. I appreciate all of the new subscribers, even while we were off. So again, super excited about Christy back next week, and we'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly. <laughs>